This is AmericasWebRadio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Good morning and welcome to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. In the vast scheme of competitive business segments, there's probably no more competitive business segment and no business segment that has undergone more changes, more technological changes and changes that have been influenced by society than the printing industry. Uh, Those massive changes have taken place uh, on an ongoing basis for the last 500 years, and there have been so many changes that in the last few decades, the absolutely only uh, the strongest will survive. Uh, Digital design, digital printing are, are here to say so smart printing shops have learned to adapt and evolved and today's guest Burton Brody of Studio Printing uh, in fact um, we'll refer to it as Studio um, maybe even the Studio but Studio is going to share a little bit of insight into the process of that survival and how to thrive in an ever-changing business segment welcome to the business hour Burton Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Burton, let's go back to the uh, the early days. And, in fact, you had some business experience in, in, in not so much the uh, the printing business, but in a related uh, industry, if, if you will. For those of us who are familiar with the larger industry of reprographics, of reproducing graphic design or of printing of text. Uh, it could range from uh, surface design related to fabrics or silkscreen or ink on paper. Uh, you had some exposure um, before printing per se. Tell, tell us a little bit about the early years of well, I started, your exposure. I started in, basically in the home furnishings textile industry working for a firm out of New York. At that time, they were the second largest manufacturer of home furnishings textiles in the United States. And uh, that was my entree into uh, the textile printing industry. Uh, The technical people within the company were very generous with their information, and it was quite an education. And after being with them for about 10 years, uh, I started uh, a textile printing plant in a small town in Carrollton, Georgia, uh, which uh, specialized in printing fabric to match wall covering, which at that time was a bird, oh, a uh, infant industry. Uh, and it was a very uh, uh, technical uh, business because the, the color matching was of extreme importance. People wanted to put up draperies uh, that matched the wallpaper and continue this overall look throughout the room. So uh, that's what we specialized in, and to uh, increase the ability to uh, meet the technical requirements, I had gone to Spain and found printing equipment that could be operated by high school uh, students, which was contrary to what the industry was built on, which was primarily older men physically moving screens down a table to print the designs. Here, this machine did exactly the same thing and could be operated by people that did not have any printing knowledge. 
and uh, we did this for about 10 years, and then uh, I was had an exposure to the, the paper printing industry, and uh, found out that there really wasn't a whole lot of difference between the two. You had to match colors, you had to uh, reproduce the designs that the customer wanted in the manner that they the appearance that they wanted. And uh, this was a small business that was uh, uh, pretty much doing that uh, within the framework of the industry, which back then was primarily comprised of small stores. Uh, this has evolved uh, where most of the small stores are no longer in existence. Uh, digital printing has uh, eclipsed the uh, consumer's need for going out and finding somebody else to do the work. Uh, you can pretty much do it at home, uh, uh, but they found out that designing is not simple. Uh, I found out the hard way in the textile business. I thought designing was very simple, and after trying to do it for about six months to create a line, I found out that this was a talent that was required, and it wasn't just the mechanical skill. So uh, we started with this business. As other companies, uh, other small printers, uh, went by the wayside because the offset printing business uh, had its limitations where digital printing really didn't have much limitation other than the imagination of the people that were using the equipment. Uh, and where this has gone to this day is that the equipment has become simpler and simpler, and uh, people, for all practical purposes, can create uh, greeting cards or anything else that is normally printed on a commercial uh, piece of equipment. They can create it at home. And uh, in, in fact, let me interject here um, because Bert, you and I had a conversation. Uh, not only can you sit on a computer and design something like a greeting card, and you can design it in total and 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 print it, then cut it and fold it, you know, on your own, or you can take your basic design and send it to one of the online companies to, to print a, 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 a greeting card for you. You can send pieces. You can send a photo and put in about what you want to say and about the typeface you want and they'll put it, pull it together for you. But aside from that, which we, 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 we will come back to, uh, you know, throughout the program, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about uh, digital design and, and production. But you and I were talking about how you could sit down at that same computer these days and even though there are more skilled people who do this, you have giant inkjet printers for uh, surface printing on fabric. You know, you, you, you practically can be a novice. You, you're going to need some skill if you're uh, not going to mess up the, uh, the, the fabric. But you can work on a computer now, and you have templates, uh, or you can do original design, and it goes to the inkjet uh, printers for at least large, you know, pieces of fabric. Isn't that right? Oh, yes. There, uh, inkjet uh, is the coming technology uh, for a couple of re basic technical reasons. Uh, the printers up to uh, now uh, use powder and heat to melt the powder 
to put the ink on the paper. Anytime you put heat to color, you alter the, uh, the color itself. Inkjet does not have that uh, deficiency. The other factor is that the speed of, uh, of uh, toner printers are dictated by how much heat is required and time to, to melt that toner. Inkjet doesn't have that deficiency at all because it, the solvents in the ink dry almost instantly. So uh, the speed by which they can print is uh, considerably greater. Uh, and these are, for all practical purposes, the inkjet concept has been in the consumer market for uh, years. Uh, the only thing that has happened now is they have taken the inkjet concept and made it a production entity. So it's, uh, but we still get back to that same thing. Putting the pa- putting the color on the paper is not uh, the problem, or is not the deficiency for most people. It's actually the design of what you're going to print, and uh, that design capacity uh, is something that uh, very few people have inherently. Uh, that's why you have here in Atlanta, you have SCAD, uh, which is... Uh, an the Savannah College of Art and Design. Yes. And uh, uh, they're uh, doing very well because people realize that if you're going to do something with originality, it has to be original. Uh, if you're going to uh, attract uh, potential customers for what you're doing. And uh, that, to a certain degree, is what we have attempted to do in a small way through a lot of different methods, uh, whether it's engraving, foil stamping, uh, die cutting. Uh, We have put in equipment ideally uh, specifically suited for small runs so that if a customer comes in and wants uh, 150 greeting cards uh, with uh, silhouette cutouts and uh, printing on different types of paper. Our job is to uh, satisfy the customer and not require the customer to meet our specifications, but for us to do whatever is necessary within reason to satisfy the customer's imagination. Um, we're going to be taking a break here, Burton. When we come back, I, I have a couple of questions related to Uh, your early business, and then we'll transition to talking more about your current business. We're here with Burton Brody, who's been in the, we'll call it the reprographics industry, uh, the printing industry more specifically uh, in recent years. We'll be back to talk with Burton about this ever-changing industry segment right after this break. When four members of Congress all die within four months, each of their deaths appears to be from natural causes. But when mysterious messages begin to appear in the form of quotations from long-dead revolutionary heroes, one reporter sets out to prove the existence of a serial killer. His search discovers dark secrets and an assassin shielded by people who need the very services that only he can provide. The Sun Silas Rising, a novel by Doug Dahlgren on Kindle or paperback through Amazon.com. This is Skip Coriel, host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week for a full hour of all the best and latest information on how you can get the skills and equipment you need to protect the ones that you love. 
45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation. Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com and enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Burton Brody, and we've been talking about the ever-changing printing industry, which has been subject to digital design and production over the last uh, decade or two. And we were before we were talking about Burton's uh, entree into the printing industry per se. He had a background working in fabric uh, design and production, uh, which involved a printing process. And I wanted to ask you, uh, Burton, you mentioned that the business was in Carrollton. I'm wondering if it was in Carrollton um, because of some of the uh, fabric uh, producers, you know, the West Point Pepperells and the Millikens, and um, perhaps a few other small um, uh, fabric uh, producers were uh, in the area, and you, you must have had somebody that supplied fabric to you. Was that part of the reason you were in Carrollton? Well, the town had originated, uh, originally had four hosiery mills. Uh, their claim to fame was uh, Southwire, which was the largest wire com- wire producing company in the United States at the time. Yeah, I think it still is. It still is. Yeah. I don't know where they stand in size. But uh, the area uh, was very much into uh, textiles. Uh, there was a textile printing plant just up the street uh, from our plant, printing upholstery fabric. So, uh, and the labor market uh, was very good for the type of work, which was basically, uh, I won't say heavy labor, but uh, it didn't require a talent. It required the ability to be able to do repetitive work on a, uh, a daily basis. And did you know this in advance? Did you do some homework and knew that that was a good environment for such a business? Well, I bought that business. Uh, it was an existing business doing printing for the garment industry. We segued into printing yard goods for the wallpaper industry, uh, primarily because uh, the uh, tech, the uh, ready-to-wear industry was very problematic, very seasonal, and uh, very price-conscious, uh, whereas uh, the wallpaper industry gave us a lot more latitude and allowed us to do things uh, that were needed in that industry, and the and the industry was willing to uh, accept the, the cost of it. So it, uh, it it was a good uh, fit at the time, and it was just a question of looking at the opportunity and being able to take advantage of it. Let me let me ask you this: um, part of the reason that uh, you were invited onto this program is because you've been around the block once or twice. 
And in that early process of selecting a business, were you looking at more than one kind of business? And could you have ended up with a similar business in Spartanburg, South Carolina, another textiles-oriented community? Did you pick the industry segment? Or did you learn about a few different options and you did just enough homework to figure out there was reasonable profitability and then you took a look at that particular business in Carrollton? Or uh, were you looking at uh, several options? Well, I was doing small business consulting at the time. And this plant was in existence. I met the owner of it. And uh, we pretty much got together. uh, And when I looked at it, my recommendation to him was to... uh, look to printing things for uh, the home furnishings industry, not knowing where this was going to go. This was strictly a, uh, a day-by-day uh, choice of, uh, okay, his response to me was, well, go out and find customers that, are, that require that service, uh, which is what we did. That's really the way it started. I sent out letters to five or six wallpaper manufacturers offering the service. Traditionally, that service was uh, being done up in the New York, New Jersey area. So you helped him expand his, his customer base and his, his product offering. Yes. Well, we changed. Uh, that's where, uh, when it got to a point that uh, more of the wallpaper people were coming to us, uh, because we were in the South, our pricing structure was less than it was up in the New York, New Jersey area. Uh, and I started looking for ways to automate the business. Now, at this time, I was still doing consulting work for him. I didn't own the I had no interest in the business. And uh, I found uh, some equipment made in Spain. Uh, there were none, of, none in this country of that type at all. And uh, we went to Spain to look at the equipment uh, found it to be uh, ideally suited for what uh, we were doing by hand. This allowed us to automate, cut our uh, labor cost, and also uh, go from requiring older people that were doing this work for years and were slowly but surely uh, leaving the industry. And it was a question of well, what were we going to replace them with. The equipment allowed us to uh, replace people, and it wasn't really a question of replace. As they left, we just introduced the uh, younger people, high school students, into the mar- into the f- facility, and uh, this equipment allowed us to do that. So, well, uh, uh, it gave us a niche, and I have always been a somebody that likes niche businesses. It affords uh, a little bit more flexibility and uh, potential and that's uh, uh, that's pretty much how this whole thing started it really wasn't I had no real plan other than this looked good why not take advantage of it and he was the owner was very receptive to this and was the owner uh, also uh, entertaining the idea of of selling or retiring and so the opportunity Appeared and you gave it some thought, and you thought this this would be a, a good uh, business to to own. That's uh, pretty much the way it worked. Uh, 
uh, he was uh, he had been down here for a long time, and uh, what we had morphed into uh, was not something he was familiar with. He was familiar with the garment end of the business, uh, the yard goods, uh, and the um, color matching and the detail aspect, which was much more involved with printing uh, home furnishings fabrics was not something that he had uh, been involved with. So he was very receptive to going into it, and then as he got into it, uh, then he, he, uh, we discussed it, and he was very happy to sell the business and continue to work there uh, on, a, on a contract basis. And it just worked out well. Uh, it was one of these things that the opportunity presented itself, and, we, uh, and I took advantage of it. That's it. You know, um, a lot of Americans uh, uh, know that uh, America has lost jobs to uh, other other nations uh, where labor is cheaper uh, and maybe haven't realized, if they haven't had a lot of exposure to, to industry in general, um, although it seems to affect almost every business uh, industry segment, but if you, you 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 think about it, automation, which is never going to stop. I mean, things are going to continue to get automated, and that oftentimes means fewer people. It's what a business has to do. In your case, you were talking about a, a business that had a generation of people, some of whom were going to be retiring. So the the number of uh, skilled employees was going to be shrinking, but also it was a different skill set to operate automated uh, machinery. And I will never forget, um, I, a lot of the listeners know that I'm in marketing, I've, and I've worked with some textiles clients, including Milliken and Company, and uh, we produced a few different videos about their advanced technology ranging from their research and development facility in, in Spartanburg, South Carolina, to some of their plants in South Carolina as well as in Georgia. And I will never forget, I started shooting footage uh, simply because they were very proud to still have conventionally uh, run fabric production facilities where there were giant looms, uh, combinations of wood and metal. You walked in, and it was an almost deafening Clickety, 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 clackety, 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 clickety, clickety, clackety, clackety. Shot uh, some video footage in that facility. Went um, a couple days later to one of their other more highly automated uh, uh, facilities. And there were very few people. There were computer screens at the end of a row of highly automated stainless steel looms. And the sound, and I'll never forget this, and this was the, the, to me, became symbolic of that transition, uh, from more, uh, hands-on, uh, labor-intensive work, clickety, 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 and the new, uh, factory had this sound. Vuvida, 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 vuvida. And I think you probably can relate. You probably yeah. have heard those two different sounds. Yeah, they, uh, they converted over from, uh, Ma- the uh, shuttle loom, the, basically the shuttleless looms. Uh, some of them actually use water 
to convey the uh, the uh, shuttles uh, within the uh, within the loom itself. It's uh, the textile business uh, as the as the market expanded called for more production, uh, but that production did not allow for a any significant increase in price. So the the expansion, the technical expansion, was unfortunately offset by the reduction in labor requirement. It just it's just natural evolution of a lot of industry segments, you know. And then one thing you mentioned was uh, SCAD, the uh, Savannah College of Art and Design, and how uh, younger generations are studying to be designers, you know ranging from fabric design to industrial engineering design. I, I dare say SCAD has probably got graduates working in the automotive industry, the furniture industry, uh, and, and just a broad range. If you look all around you, there's a certain design uh, to to everything. And, uh, you know, for any young listeners out there, I would encourage you to, if you're thinking you might want to get involved in design and you think it, you might want to get involved in industrial design, definitely take a look at programs like those at uh, the Savannah College of Art and Design or, for that matter, Georgia Tech uh, or Rochester Institute of Technology or Texas uh, Institute of Technology. Uh, and there are design-oriented programs within those uh, technological uh, m- majors, and, uh, and, and that's an area where America, I think, needs to stay strong. Um, we're going to take a break. Uh, I needed to get that public service announcement in. Uh, we're here with Burton Brody. We've been talking about the printing industry and related industries. He shared with us some of his background. We're going to transition to talking about the actual printing industry right after this break. This is Dr. George from Peachtree ENT Center. We've won patient care awards and have the highest patient recommendations because we believe in practicing medicine the old-fashioned way. Practicing good medicine is based in listening to the patient and making a care plan that is individual. The best medical care is given when there is a strong doctor-patient relationship built on mutual trust and respect. At Peachtree ENT Center, we believe in taking care of the whole patient because healing is more than writing a prescription. Whether you have problems hearing, have frequent throat or sinus infections, from the time you call our office and speak to a real person, you'll be treated as an individual and not as an ailment. During your visit, you will not be rushed, and all your questions will be answered. When possible, natural treatments will be recommended to fix the problem. If surgery is recommended, cost-effective, minimally invasive treatment for snoring, sleep apnea, or sinus problems will be offered because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. This is Skip Coriel, host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week as we explore all aspects of home and family defense as we strive to defend the ones we love in an ever-changing and volatile world. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. 
You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host, and we're here with Burton Brody, and we've been talking about an industry segment that over the last 500 years has undergone evolutionary changes, and in the last couple of decades, it's undergone massive uh, changes coming into the digital age with digital design and digital production. And we were talking about Burton's background in working with with fabric design and production, which is very related for anyone in the printing industry. They understand perfectly it's a slightly different medium. It's a slightly different set of uh, uh, chemistries, if you will. We're talking dyes versus inks. Um, but there's some crossover, and in my opinion, it, it is uh, could be considered part of this larger repographic business and technology. And before the break, and, and I, we are going to transition to talking about uh, printing per se, but I thought maybe we should uh, reflect for just a moment, uh, Burton, because you eventually bought the business that you were consulting with, and then some years later, you sold that business. And really, a sub-theme to this program has been to talk about the nature of uh, operating businesses, but also of buying businesses or selling businesses. You know, there are listeners out there who have been thinking about buying businesses. They're, they're, they're in many cases going to be working with uh, a business broker, or they're going to try to do their own homework and learn about a franchise. That's something that thousands of people uh, do. But there's also those opportunities that emerge. And, and I've known more than a handful of folks that were consulting with a business and realized when it came time for that business to be sold that they were a good candidate to buy the business. And in some cases, um, uh, the nature of those arrangements can vary. Uh, it could be between you very personally and the business owners. But of course, in other cases, you know, the bank, the bank is involved and you have good banking relationships, not so good banking relationships. But, uh, because you actually purchased the business and later on sold the business, uh, you know, I'm thinking that there must have been a, a reasonably good banking relationship. Uh, somewhere along the line. Uh, but tell us about buying it and then tell us about selling it. Well, uh, purchasing, and I think this is uh, fairly common, uh, you need a dedicated buyer and seller. Uh, and people that are, are realistic on both counts, uh, because businesses, usually the owner of a business, feels the business is worth more than the potential buyer thinks it's worth. Uh, but the, the basic reality is, uh, and back in those days, it was possible, and that was the advantage of being in a small town, uh, because it was prior to branch banking. So you were dealing with banks owned by local people who had a definite interest in seeing the local economy uh, expand and thrive. So that made it considerably easier, and uh, it was just a question of coming together uh, with terms that were favorable to both parties. And that, in and of itself, is usually a major problem because uh, 
if you're not willing to uh, be as forthcoming as possible with the other party, figuring that you know something they don't know and you can take advantage of it, usually if it's a small business, it, uh, it's, that attitude will come out and is counterproductive. Uh, because uh, the person that's selling the business, if they've had it for any extended period of time, has knowledge and information that a prospective buyer can find very advantageous. And that's why when uh, I negotiated the uh, purchase of this business, uh, it was with the full cooperation of the owner to continue to work in the business to, to benefit the business. Uh, he's, his income was based on a, a contractual obligation for the business to pay him so much uh, over a period of time. And if he was going to make sure he was going to get that money, then the business had to be successful. So he did participate uh, in, uh, in the operation of the business after he sold it. Which is oftentimes um, the very best way to acquire businesses to keep uh, as many of the key people as possible, including the person who had been the owner, the chief executive officer, so to speak, and help with that transition. But, you know, what I hear you saying, and and, and uh, I think this is true so often, uh, much more often than not, that if you have two reasonable parties, uh, the the likelihood of the deal getting done is greater, but also the likelihood of the transition and the success of the uh, the new ownership uh, is is it's not guaranteed, but it's just so much more likely if you worked with uh, the seller and uh, came up with a reasonable and fair price, and then made that uh, uh, that transition to uh, working together as you uh, took over and. Uh, and it became your business. It's definitely the case. Uh, uh, I've been involved in a couple of arrangements uh, recently, and I'm finding that what seems to be more prevalent is people are w- looking at buying a business, and uh, it's almost like when they flip houses. Uh, keep it for a year, uh, build it up, and then sell it. Or uh, if the business has a a large quantity of cash, how you can get the cash out of the business and keep the business going. But there is very little concern about how long that business is going to go. Uh, When I bought the business, my interest was in building the business. Uh, Without any predetermined time frame as to when it would be sold, uh, in our situation, the sale was because somebody uh, was brought to us uh, who was buying businesses of this type. And that's how uh, the reason we sold it. Uh, but it uh, was not the same type of sale as when we bought it. The people that bought it were a corporation. Their thought was uh, they can cut costs tremendously by getting rid of internal operations and merging it into the internal operations of their one of their existing businesses. So the attitude was different, and uh, it was unfortunate because they had the business for six to nine months, uh, ran into some financial problems, 
and ultimately uh, they put the business into bankruptcy. Uh, there hadn't been any reason for it other than the fact that they didn't really want to run the business. They wanted to see what they could get out of the business and then just do away with it. There definitely are those uh, companies, uh, those firms, which are uh, into flipping businesses and do it in what I consider to be uh, a really bad way, you know, with an emphasis on making a quick buck, uh, going in and, 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 and cutting costs, rather than in some cases needing to invest a little uh, in the business and taking a longer-term approach so that this quick buck approach, this short-term ownership and the flipping of a business, to me, it can work out, it can be beneficial for all parties, but oftentimes isn't, and it's not like flipping a house where you go in and you make um, smart uh, renovations to the property and flip um, because you have bad house flipping as well where nothing is done and you are maybe a better marketer, uh, a better quote-unquote seller, uh, and passing on um, some necessary repairs to uh, uh, an un, uh, unaware buyer. But, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I think uh, a lot of um, major corporations stepping in to uh, make an acquisition and uh, – uh, get the cash out and, and not really invest in the businesses is, is not the best way to go. I want to hear about uh, how you um, transition to uh, your your current business. I want to talk a little bit about Studio. Um, in our promo uh, of the, uh, the business, we talk about uh, adapting. Uh, we talk about um, the su- process of, of, of surviving. And uh, Studio uh, is a uh, printing uh, business at its core, along with some other ancillary uh, services. And speaking of Reapographics, you know, you do some things um, uh, that include specialty items, and it's uh, uh, the reproduction of graphics might be etching on glass for a uh, uh, a gift uh, coffee mug, if you will, um, and um, some other kinds of uh, printing, engraving, foil stamping. Uh, tell us about how you decided to get into um, a small, what I would call consider a boutique, but I, I a quality boutique. Uh, printing business. Tell us about how that emerged. Well, your description is right on from that standpoint, uh, because as I mentioned before, the idea of giving a customer what they want uh, engendered going after other product uh, or other production uh, procedures. Uh, and in many cases, we picked up things that were primarily in the craft industry. And uh, modified them in some way uh, to uh, make them into a semi-production entity, but at the same time, if there was a quantity required, a large quantity, we knew where to go to find the same uh, uh, equipment and service out in the production area. Uh, One of the things that we found was... uh, that in most cases what the consumer does not know and what uh, when you're in the business you do is finding the production people who are out there 
the only problem is that if a consumer tries to do business with them, in most cases, the communication aspect is very difficult because the consumer is talking one language and the production facility is thinking about it from a manufacturing standpoint of which the consumer has no knowledge. And finding these uh, firms uh, allowed us the ability to start out with, uh, let's say, uh, mock-ups or samples for a customer to approve, and then the customer will come back, and let's say it's an organization, and they need uh, 5,000 of whatever it is. We can transition from manufacturing it in-house to outsourcing it and uh, save the customer money, uh, sustain the quality standard, which is sometimes as big a problem finding uh, sources as uh, as just finding the source, but finding one that will meet the quality standards that we require. In in, in some sense, uh, Burton, you were you were like uh, the communications uh, uh, and marketing support firms <clears throat> that provide a design. And uh, most advertising agencies, for example, uh, and graphic design firms don't have internal production capability uh, for m- mass quantities uh, or even small quantities. Uh, it, it, it's, it's outsourced. Uh, what you were doing is covering a range of some internal production as well as some outsourcing for uh, quantities depending on what the item was. Is that right? That's exactly right. It's a... Uh, and this is generally where <coughs> the difficulty came from. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, because uh, you can't usually get production facilities to do samples. So that the customer has to take your description or perhaps a uh, modified mock-up that is not actually indicative of the what the production is going to look like. What we have the capacity to do is do a physical product uh, that is going to be the end product. So when the customer is looking at it, they're looking at the end product. There's no surprises. It doesn't make any difference if they want 50 pieces or they want 5,000 pieces. We're going to take a break here, uh, Burton. We're here with Burton Brody. We've been talking about the printing business and, in a sense, the larger repographic uh, industry We'll talk more with Burton about his uh, specific uh, business at Studio right after this break. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. 
Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Burton Brody of Studio, a printing, design, and production shop that also crosses over into a range of specialty items that require some design and some production. And we've been talking about the the printing industry, the larger repographics uh, industry, the evolution of, of printing from all the way back to Gutenberg 500 years ago plus and how things have really, really changed and we've touched on the effects of digital design and digital printing but let's now jump into it. Um, While we were off the air, um, uh, David Moxley here uh, in the studio asked if you had ever imagined the, 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 the magnitude of influence that the computer would have on design, and I dare say that most shops, even ones who were sticking, uh, d- dipping their toe and testing the waters uh, to a minor extent using their early Macs to do a little bit of typography layout, and then you, it was before we were able to do m- emailing of files, but we were right around the corner from uh, uh, creating typography that we didn't send to a uh, a, a, a type, a type shop, and uh, that was an industry about to be put totally out of business. There's no such animal, uh, and a lot of us really, we knew smart graphic designers were learning to manipulate um, design digitally, maybe even uh, being self-taught or taking a digital design class. But I'm not sure that anybody really knew um, how how massive the change would be. Well, I think the when it, when the computer uh, made its uh, appearance on a commercial basis, in other words, in a shop like ours or in a larger uh, print operation, uh, that this was a tremendous advance advancement uh, as opposed to having to set type. Uh, the flip side, and there always is one, unfortunately, is when uh, computerization became available to the consumer. 
And uh, this probably had is where the greatest change manifested itself. Uh, you had people, as a matter of fact, as an aside, there was an older woman that came into our shop with a CD disc. This was before the advent of USB uh, thumb drives. And uh, she said, My But computer- after floppies. Uh, yes, <laughs> after floppies. And uh, she brought in this disc and said, My computer told me to bring this to you. And I, I, I don't quite understand. What do you mean your computer told me to, told you to bring this to us? Well, it said, take it to the printer. Well, what she was talking about, obviously, was that you were supposed to have a computer pr- a printer with your computer. Well, her son had not bought the printer. He just bought her the computer. So she took the disk drive, and we were a printer, and she brought it to us. Uh until we opened it up and, and printed something, we didn't even have any idea what it was. But the point being made is that at the early advent of this, there were a lot of people that looked at this as an open door, uh, which ultimately was going to uh, close on the other side on the small printers, because what did I have to bring my letterhead to a printer? I'll print it on my own printer, and I don't have to uh, buy a stock of letterheads or a stock of envelopes. And this is probably, and this is still in existence today, what we do have, what we have found is that um, the lack of basic design talent that's in the consumer market is still what is going to keep printers in business. The only difference is that today it's all customer service. I maintain that we are not printers. Printing happens to be an element that allows us to provide a service and a product to the consumer. Uh, Whether we do it with a digital press or we do it with an offset press or a letter press or uh, any other method of getting the image onto either paper or an item, most consumers, and I'd say 99% of them, are really don't, they really don't care. All they know is, I want this item, this is the image I want on it, and can you do it? And how much is it going to cost, and how long will it take? And however you answer those questions may determine whether you're going to get an order or not, but at least it's down to the basics, and once you have mastered those, you even have a standard that you even have a pretty good chance of staying in business. Uh, but you have to be able to put up with the consumer, uh, which is not necessarily the easiest thing in the world. You know, on the, on, the, on the more positive side of this, and we could go on for hours about how, well, we could go on for uh, at least another program or two talking about uh, this digital transition and uh, how everyone has become a designer much as everyone's become a writer and uh, a photographer Um, but when it comes to quality design and and quality reproduction um, your shop does uh, and will do conventional uh, printing you know inks on 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 papers on quality papers and you'll do foil stamping and embossing um, which are two of my favorite uh, techniques that we don't often see uh, unless someone is specifying that they want uh, a really nice invitation, a really nice business card, or a printed piece, 
that requires uh, foil stamping or embossing. Um, talk just a little bit about uh, uh, your personal appreciation, uh, our appreciation, uh, uh, something I share with you, but your uh, personal appreciation for that one uh, uh, aspect of being able to produce some things in a, in a, in a traditional, super high-quality way, high-quality paper, possibly engraved. Well, uh, what you're describing, uh, we have seen uh, the highs and lows, more or less, of its popularity. Uh, what is most unique today is the return of letterpress, which is the ability to uh, create an impression with type onto the paper, where the image is actually uh pressed into the paper, and generally you're talking about high-quality cotton papers, uh, which are available. Uh, And this is a piece of equipment that uh, went out of favor about 40 years ago, and nobody ever thought it would come back, and it's come back in very strange ways. As a matter of fact, uh, a young lady who is the vice president of Google bought a letterpress put it in her garage just for her own, uh, to make her own stationery. And she made stationery, and she sent out thank you notes, and people started calling her and said, where did you get this? And uh, there was, I believe it was three years ago at the stationery show in New York, there was a whole section called the Ladies of Letterpress. And... uh, there were uh, quite a few people that were uh, had bought these letter presses. Uh, some of them, uh, none of them were new. Uh, you can still buy a new one, but it's very unlikely. But there are a lot of old ones out there that have, are using that process. And, you know, I hope that that's indicative of uh, a, uh, a transition uh, back to uh, um, craftsmanship in, in, in printing. Uh, and it, and hopefully what we'll see is that there will be an educated public that realizes, hey, uh, I've done enough uh, printing on my own. I've done enough, uh, uh, you know, uh, poorly designed uh, and mediocre uh, reprographics uh, printing, and I'm ready to uh, try uh, working with a firm like Studio to create a quality uh, design and production. Um, I want to thank you, uh, Burton, for taking the time to share with us a little bit about your background in the larger uh, printing and reprographics industry, to talk about the evolution of of the industry, to share a little bit of insight, and uh, we could probably go on for another program. But thank you for being on the program. It's been my pleasure, and I hope uh, the public has found it interesting. Um, I, I dare say they probably have, even for people who uh, aren't in the industry, but for those of us in the industry, uh, uh, you provided some uh, interesting uh, insight. We've been here with Burton Brody. You're listening to uh, the Business Hour here on America's Web Radio. We're on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on the Internet and on the radio next week. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Understanding health insurance is becoming more challenging. If you currently have insurance, you've probably noticed that it costs more to see your doctor. And if you're able to keep your doctor, it takes longer to get an appointment.
The bad news is this trend is projected to continue. Your costs will likely continue to rise, while your health care choice and access will continue to fall. The good news is Peachtree ENT Center has the answer to this problem. We believe in taking care of the whole patient because healing is more than writing a prescription. We are committed to working with you, and we specialize in providing affordable care for patients without insurance, those who are underinsured, and those with high deductibles or catastrophic coverage, and we offer same-day appointments. You no longer have to choose between staying healthy and paying bills because Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. This is Skip Coriel, host of the Home Defense Show on America's Web Radio. Join me every week as we explore all aspects of home and family defense as we strive to defend the ones we love 